On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick will shift gears and give a little love to Andor in its planned five-year time span. But don't worry, Kenobi bros, because the two windbags will talk about some of the bigger changes to the series based on insights into its original script. There will be a little discussion on Taika's Star Wars film, which is starting to sound like it'll never get made. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artists. Punch a chewy! you impatient live streamers we're here i told you one of the hosts that's nick moves slower these days <laughs> it, it wouldn't be me with my busted ass leg but hey we made it the reason i was a little slow today because I, I tried to return nick to a little bit of normalcy oh no uh, i used to always work out before the show on tuesdays and after a an okay post-op visit on friday I got the green light to start exercising again as long as I didn't do any like put any pressure on the on the yep. busted one. No leg stuff. <laughs> yep, so I was out there with my my lovely nurse. My my wife has been a godsend since this has happened. I mean, at times she's wanted to kill me, but for the most <laughs> part she's bending over backwards to just keep the house together. I mean, when when you have one parent essentially canceled out and the other parent also has a full-time job at a high-stress corporation type of setting. Uh, things can get dicey, but she has done uh, wonders. And, and so today she agreed to give me 30 minutes out in the gym, just like handing me some weights to try to do something. Yeah. Because uh, I was going on three weeks with zero physical activity. And I, I'm not like one of these CrossFit gym bro type of freaks. We're like, but I am an active person, and if you're an active person, you, be, you become stagnant. It, it can affect your mental health, as they say. So um, it felt good. It was only like a little 30-minute, or I usually do about an hour, a little, little over that, but it, it was something. So uh, that's why I ran a little bit late. I, I forget that everything these days takes an extra half hour, even <laughs> if it's wiping my ass. So... I miscalculated my gym time a bit, but hey, we're here and we're ready to have some fun. All right, yeah, Tones is right. I, I um, I kind of fell off the deep end. And by the, if, if you don't know who Tones is, if you're just on the podcast, we are doing the live stream, and Tones is one of our uh, big time supporters and, and joins the live stream when he can. And he has a question, or not a question. More of a, he's outing me in my recent pre-order spree on the Sideshow Collectibles website because of some of the new Star Wars hot toys. And yes, I, I failed all around, Nick. I know, <laughs> I think that was a week or two ago you were trying to steer me away from the book of Boba Fett, Boba Fett. But without you by my side and in my ear, I faltered. Yeah. And I, I did pre-order him. I pre-ordered the Purge Trooper that we shared in our shorts last week, by the way. Please keep checking out our shorts on all platforms, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. They, they've done pretty well at, at, at garnering some new subs and a new audience. I don't know how much is that gonna, is going to bleed over into this humble little stupid show, but it has worked in getting more eyes on the SWTS. But 
like last week, if you see one of those things pop up in your feed, even if you think I sound like an asshole, go ahead and take one for the team and reshare that bad <laughs> boy. But yeah, I, I, uh, I kind of teased the Purge Trooper from Kenobi last week, Nick, in, a, in short form, thanks to Tones tipping me off to it. And once I saw him, I was like, yeah, I might as well go pre-order him. And I forgot, well, I got to pre-order Cad Bane. We talked about him a few weeks ago. And then sure as shit, that damn book of Boba Fett, Boba Fett popped up and I couldn't do it. Like I could not keep my hand from clicking on the pre-order now. Like it was, it was impossible. Knowing that this will now be, I'm going to have one, two, three, four. That will make my six Boba Fett hot toys when it shows up. Six from a guy who at one point in time on this humble little show got on a soapbox about a character that used to be known as Bozo Fett. See, people can change. People can grow. And now I probably have more Boba Fett hot toys than a Boba Fett super fan. Doesn't make much (laughs) sense, but that's my uh, collecting life these days. So, all right, man. Um... I don't know. I mean, we, we used to kind of have like our, our fuck around period. We might have had our first freeze. No, he's still alive. Nope, That's I'm still sweet. here. <laughs> we usually just, you know, we kind of shoot the shit, talk about what we've gotten into in the pop culture life over the past week. Uh, considering I can't really get out and, and do things like see new movies, uh, I don't have much to share here. Yeah, but um, I, I did get out. I, I forced myself to go to a, a few of the July 4th things. And yeah, I'm... I don't want to be one of those people like, oh, there's nothing to celebrate. But yeah, I, I mean, I this was a weird July 4th for people that I think are of sane mind and aren't in a religious cult. But I, I still wanted to get out for the kid, uh, made it to my local fireworks. That kind of sucked, just sitting there. My <laughs> leg went numb and turned purple. Oof. And then um, over the weekend, in the, in the Discord, I let everyone know. If you want to join our Discord, it's open. We've got an open link on our Instagram profile, at Star Wars Time Show on Instagram. That's kind of where you, you, get, you get the chat with one of the hosts in between shows. Like, that's a big fucking deal. But a lot of other sites would charge you for it, not us. Uh, but I let them know that I ended up, <laughs> I pre-ordered a wheelchair. Not pre-ordered, I bought a wheelchair from Amazon nice. and a shower chair. And, and both of those has changed my life significantly. Uh, the wheelchair allowed me to get out to the, the July 4th parade yesterday in our little town uh, where my kid was marching with the lacrosse team. So I was glad that I was able to do that. But I, I still can, I can only be in a non-laying propped up pos- position for about an hour, maybe hour and a half before things start screaming start down below. lose your mind. Yeah. You might have to send but me yeah, the we're, link we're, to we're that there. shower chair because Taylor's been looking for one. And we just don't know what's like a... It, What's a good one if if there's one that's, you know, do we have well, to get can, like some expensive thing or No, nah, I mean, this one cost me 45 bucks and so far it's done the job. It, I feel secure when I'm in there. I don't feel like I'm going to slip out. The seat's wide enough to get my ass on it. It's deep enough that I can slide all the way back and kind of curl my dead leg in. Nice. Because it is dead. I mean, it is still pretty dead. It just kind of hangs there and I can bend it. I, I can extend it all right. I just I can, can't curl it for shit. Yeah. But yeah, I'll hook you up, man. It was like a forty-five dollar uh, bundle deal with the wheelchair. So <laughs> nice. I, I checked nice. out of Amazon for like two eighty. Got myself a shower chair and a wheelchair, foldable wheelchair, pretty sweet, and um, it, it's it's worked out pretty well. Nice. Even allowed me to light off some fireworks uh, Sunday night with the neighbors after a little bit of a, a cookout. So 
you know, I know we're not here to talk about my busted ass leg life, but this is probably the first weekend I almost felt human again. I mean, there there was a lot of pain associated with it, but it was kind of worth pushing through it just to you know, kind of feel like I, I belong again. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm not just a cellar dweller. Yeah. Like some of these other people. So that was good. I just, I don't know. I'm missing. I, I want to get out to the movies. And I think now with either the wheelchair or just the way the recliners are, I probably could do it. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe, maybe catch Thor this Thursday if I can still find the spot. I have definitely been uh, neglecting the movies recently. I still haven't seen Doctor Strange, and it's on Disney Plus. Oh like, yeah, okay. That that's you. You don't get a pass on that. I mean, honestly, like I'm <laughs> starting to get a little like fatigue on the Marvel done. stuff. I yeah. I I, I want to see Thor because I like Taika and what he's done with Thor's uh, right. with Ragnarok and stuff. But like, I mean, I'll get around to seeing Doctor Strange. Still haven't finished Moon Knight. Still haven't started miss marvel or anything like that yeah so just starting to get some content fatigue on the on the marvel stuff um didn't do anything this weekend at all um my grandma passed which wasn't surprising because she was in her she's 91 years old and you know it was she was probably was she ready to go or oh yeah was she even coherent enough yeah she she was ready to go uh and you know so we knew that it was going to be happening. In fact, like my mom called me and she was like, Hey, just, just to give you a heads up. She's, you know, Momo's probably got 48 hours left. And, um, on, it was on Saturday that, or Sunday that she passed. Yeah. It was Sunday that she passed. And, um, so yeah, I mean, my, actually my mom just called me. I couldn't answer cause I'm, we're recording now, but like, She's probably calling me with info about the the funeral. Um, so probably yeah, are you heading out or are you staying? Oh, I'm I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna go um, as long as I you know don't catch any sort of cold or anything like that before the time for the funeral. But yeah, I'm gonna be heading down to Louisiana for that. Yeah. Whenever it is, probably gonna be sometime this weekend, I would imagine. And then yeah, I mean, um, so. I, that was kind of my weekend. No, nothing special. Just very chill. Um, still have to finish the last two and a half hour episode of Stranger Things season four. We watched the first one already. Bro, I haven't even I haven't even dove in to the new season period. Like oh. I'm talking not not the thing that just released this Friday or whatever, but even like season four, episode one. I, I'm yeah. I'm way off on that one. I've been engaged with the boys. I'm kind of, I think, I think I need to watch last week's boys. And then I think the finale is this week. That, yeah. That's been a plus as usual from those demented motherfuckers. Yeah. I think <laughs> that, um, we, we tried to watch the first episode and like Taylor's always been a bigger fan of the boys than I've been. Um, that might've just been like when my superhero fatigue started to kick in, but like, um, we tried to watch the first episode and we got like, like not even 10 minutes in and when that you know the guy essentially explodes in the beginning of the first episode she's like okay like i i just don't feel like watching this like, i was like okay well no skin off my back but oh it is i love shows that are overly gory like that just i mean you should see if you guys thought that was bad you should see how season three opens up like the, their big gory death and that is uh Oh yeah, no, Let's that's the yeah, no, that's the one that we're talking about. Like the beginning, the first episode of season three. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, That's, where the guy yeah. does the Ant Man thing we've all talked about. You know, there, yeah. there, there used to be, well, he should just fly up Thanos's asshole and then yeah. expand himself. Well, you you kind of get something similar to that, but but he uses a different orifice in the boys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I don't, oh, yeah. See, I'm just I like that type of shit. I like dark humor and and gore, man. I love that stuff. So that's that's me. Yeah, I don't know. So it's just been ho hum. Like I said, trying to get back to some sort of normalcy. Had a had a decent post two week post stop with the with a PA. The only bummer was I had to keep the train tracks in the staples because my wound for some reason had split open. Oh wow! And I'm I'm guessing that's probably because she's like, well, I'm I'm assuming the fact that you can already get fully extended and the ninety, you've probably been pushing yourself more than you should be. And I was like, well, you'd be right <laughs> um, because I'm not just going to fucking sit there. It, it's funny. I have, I have a buddy who, who just had knee surgery too. I mean, his was elective. Yeah. He's not an accident person like myself. And, uh, you know, just kind of talking about all this stupid shit and how it happens to you. And he's like, Listen, they they talk to us this way because they're used to dealing with most Americans that don't work out fucking if they do get surgery, they just lay there like a blob and do nothing. And I was like, yeah, I guess because it just I don't know. It, I always seem to shock my doctors because I don't just fucking sit there and do everything they tell me not to do. <laughs> uh, I guess something with mine, like a big thing is not to put a prop behind your knee. Oh, wow. Okay. You, you, you want to put it on your ankle so your leg is always forced by gravity to kind of straight. stay straight and extended. Yeah. yeah. So, the, I mean, I, I can even remember before I went under, he's like, you have to bend your knee out of surgery. You have to extend it. Please don't just lay there. I'm like, all right, I hear you. I'll do it. And I did it. And I went into the two weeks. She's like, shit, you're doing way better than most people do. He's like, well, <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm not job of the hut. So. Yeah. Cause I listened to you when you said to <laughs> right. bend your knee. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't care how bad it hurt. I'm not gonna, I don't want my knee to lock up. So yeah. Hey, six more weeks to go at minimum. We'll see. I'm gonna have to somehow figure out another beach vacation in a wheelchair. So that's going to be a bit of a bummer. But in the end, as many people have told me, it can always be worse. Those are my favorite type of people. <laughs> it can always be worse. Or the other one, like people have never lost a leg. Oh, hey, just think in, in a few months, it'll just be a memory. It's like, yeah, yeah, that is a true statement, fuckhead. But yeah, but guess I what? have to live through the few yeah. months. <laughs> it's my reality right yeah. now. So excuse me for <laughs> telling you that I'm in a bit of misery and pain. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I'm a cocksucker and it's like I've learned that I've got more empathy than than even some females in my life. So it, it's been it's been interesting. But let's get down to it, man. I don't know how much time I, I got here. It always depends on when my leg starts going numb. So uh, we got a few things to talk about with Andor. I was hoping we'd get another little drop today from the Empire magazine, which is doing a spotlight on it, but it did not release before the show, which is kind of how things go at the Star Wars Time Show. I'm sure it'll either drop right now or as soon as we say our goodbyes. Um... But we've, we've got a few things to talk about with Kenobi. I know. I said we were going to put it to bed last week. Uh, but this Stuart Beatty is on a fucking tear with this interview he gave to the direct. Which I, I got to give the direct credit. I mean, they've, they slow burned that motherfucker and, and really kind of stole the headlines last week in Star Wars fandom news. And then we'll talk a little, a little Taika. Things are looking rocky over there. 
could he go the way of a lot of other promising Star Wars directors with Lucasfilm? It, it is starting <laughs> to sound like that. So who knows? That's all on the docket for today's Star Wars time show. And I don't even want to say anything because I feel like I'm going to curse it. But the fact that Nick has not carboed yet, we may have <laughs> finally got over that hump. He, he must have had like a random driver update or something. But I'm sure with my poison tongue, my friend, now that I have spoken <laughs> so, it into the universe, you'll, you'll drop out and probably drop out permanently. So, so yeah, let's, it's let's something, something <laughs> will break, right? Something, yeah. something will give. <laughs> we'll see. All right, so. Let's get into the Andor stuff. I mean, it's not huge, but I think it, it, it paints a, a better picture for what we should expect as fans over the two-season run for this show, which, you know, is, is just going to be two seasons at this point, at least based on what um, Lord Tony Gilroy is telling us. And uh, is, is he British? Can he be a lord? Uh, no, I think that... He's American? Yeah, he's an American guy. Yeah, yeah, okay. he's American. Because he, he feels like he should be Lord Tony Gilroy. Lord, right? yeah. Like, yeah, he's got, he's got that attitude, that, that pompous shit. Although in this, <laughs> I, will, I will admit, in this article, he didn't come off. It, it wasn't that I'm the best, everyone else sucks, fuck Garrett for screwing up Rogue One, Tony Gilroy is the man. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, he actually gave some information here. I, mean, I think he was pounding his chest a little bit like, oh, the way we make our show, it, it allows us to do this. But he was kind of uh, restrained. Yeah, uh, he was a, a, a bit douchey. <laughs> he used yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the first thing, we, we did get an image, and you can see Diego Luna is Andor on a speeder of some sorts with Skarsgård, who plays a brand new character named is Luthen. L-U-T-H-E-N, Luthen. He is a he's a new character joining some of these existing ones from this time period, such as Mon Mothman, of course, Andor himself. And I and I think, you know, this Skarsgard guy, he pretty much outed that Forrest Whitaker is gonna be in it in some form or fashion as Saul. And uh, who else did he out? Did he out anyone else? I thought he he spilled the beans on another. Uh, at least guest star role, but maybe not. So. Uh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, there was definitely the, the Saw. I mean, the Saw one we probably could have guessed. I mean, he played a pretty big role in, in Rogue. So the fact that he's going to be in, it's not all that much of a surprise. And honestly, especially during season one, which is going to be five years prior to Rogue One, we could still get a somewhat, while a little more animated and in your face, a still somewhat sane Saul Guerrero, right? Yeah, yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't fully gone off the deep end, long, bushy hair yet. Exactly, uh, yeah. I mean, because they, they show that in Rebels. Like, at one point in time, they work with him. He still has a buzzed head. He's not fully nuts in, in like, hardcore uh, guerrilla warfare. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll get a little more toned down Saul. But anyways, the big news coming out of this, not so much that Andor is just going to be two seasons, it's the fact that season two, over 12 episodes, is going to span four years in the galaxy's timeline. And think about that. This is the first time in Star Wars TV, hell, and even Star Wars movies, Nick, that we are going to get that big of a time jump within a current series. Yeah. I'm not talking like from season to season. I mean, season two, every three episodes, according to Gilroy, is going to represent a year's time 
in the Andor universe. And that that's pretty freaking unique. I mean, yeah, I, I think with with The Walking Dead is probably the only other show that has made a time jump that significant within a singular season. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, like just a year. Yeah. Like a year jump is huge. And if you really think about it. I know that they said that we're going to see some young Andor in here. So maybe the way that they're treating it is like to be flashback at this point. It has to be flashback. Yeah, exactly. Like either, either it's a flashback or you legitimately start the series when Andor is like 14 years old. You have a whole episode where you see, dude, I was with you, but I, I, this article I think clears that up because it specifically says Andor season one will cover one year of time. Yeah. So it's it's probably going to be him as an adult, but I, yeah. I still think you're going to get little Diego just to see him, you know, fleeing planets and kind of becoming a migrant. Let's be real. I mean, this is a story of an immigrant. It's go. It's that's what it's going to become. Uh, um, Andor losing his planet, probably losing most of his family. He's going to become one of these migrants in the galaxy, thanks to the Empire, just coming in and taking over these systems. Um, so I think. With this being cleared up now that season one is just going to cover a year, then we'll probably get some dreams, maybe a little flashback of him as a child and and the fear he must have felt and the running and the hiding and the tear. But uh, based on Lord Gilroy, season one and season two is going to cover five total years. Yeah, I mean, and, that's... and season two is going to end right. I mean, this comes from D- no, the same article. Season two, they said, will lead right into Rogue One. So I'm guessing at this point, like the finale, could him be them getting the intel on Jin Erso, uh, Galen Erso, the pilot, right? Bodhi, yeah, all Bodhi that type Rook. of stuff yeah. that, that kicks off the events of, of Rogue. So, yeah, I um, mean, here's here. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to read the quote, so go ahead yeah. and get your thought out. No, no, yeah, I was just going to say, with a with that much time being covered in season two alone, I mean, four years in season two alone, that's going to be super interesting to see how they accomplish that, because that is going to require a lot of jumping, and it may feel yeah. a little disjointed, at least to Dude, my... It, it, it's going to be essentially four mini trilogies in one season because the way they're doing this, I'll I'll read the quote from Gilroy because this is the one where you you can kind of sense his pompousness a bit. (laughs) All right. So directors work in blocks of three episodes. We did four blocks in season one of three episodes each. We looked and said, wow, it'd be really interesting if we come back and we use each block to represent a year. We'll move a year closer with each block. From a narrative point of view, it's really exciting to be able to work on something where you do a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then jump a year. So it is. I mean, each director in season two is going to get a three-episode arc, and by the end of that arc, we'll we'll be starting a new arc a year into the future. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's that's interesting to see that they've actually, like, broken it out like that to where it's like, okay, three episodes is a year, and then, you know— that's how we get to the four. And if, if it is working with like each director has three episodes that w- that'll Correct. almost be like an interesting anthology type of deal. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Cause it, it could, I mean, 
we we saw what happened with the sequels. I mean, there 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 could be issues with this, but I think the the good thing is Tony is still in charge. Love him or hate him of everything, and the the writers don't really change drastically. So I I think while you may get slight tonal and narrative shifts between each of these little three episode arcs. Uh, ultimately, I think it's all still going to seamlessly feel like the same series. You know what I mean? It's it's not yeah. going to be, oh, well, we ended episode three and then episode four completely just does whatever but, it feels like, yeah. kind of like how episode eight did to episode seven. I'm talking the movies now. So um, I, I, I kind of dig this philosophy. I, I think it could work really well because you are allowing the directors to kind of have more control over the story over multiple episodes. Yeah, exactly. But like, like I said, as we saw with the sequel trilogy, sometimes things can get dicey when you, you kind of change artistic hands in between the main beats. Yeah. That, that always does get into an area where it's like you start to get visions that are like mixing and then shit gets blurred because one director has this vision. The other one wasn't quite leaning that direction or not. Like, yeah, it is. It, it, it's a little concerning, but I, I feel like in TV that can work a little bit better. Like it, it, it's a little easier to do something like that in TV than it is to do. in yeah, movies. I mean, really it's been done since the dawn of time, especially with, with the longer form TV we have now. I mean, Breaking Bad would have multiple directors per season, but yeah. Vince Gilligan was the main voice. Like as long as that writing team is intact, Nick, I, I think things should be okay, which we're, we're actually going to look at the directors and writers and it, and, and it does look like it stays cohesive. So it's not yeah. like with each three episodes, you're wiping out some of the, the, the artists, the writers and bringing in people new. I think everyone is kind of on the same page. Plus, again, you have Gilroy as showrunner over everything, so it, it, it it's not it's not as disjointed, in my opinion, as how as the, the movies, movies were. were. Yeah, yeah. They, where it was like no one was over anything except this bogus story group that had their thumbs yeah. up their asses, and then they're like, "Hey, just do what you want." Yeah, at least you matter. have one guy <laughs> who's matter. like watching everybody and saying, "Like, nope, you exactly. can't do that." Yeah, you can do that. This is how these two things work together. Like Exactly. You know. and, and I know we make fun of him, but he did make Rogue One better, right? I mean, yeah. he is he is the Vader hallway scene guy. Plain True. and simple. I mean, I, I got to give him some respect just for that. And like, if you um, think about it, like the Vader hallway scene is what kind of opened up the pot. I mean, what may have opened up the possibility of what we saw from Vader in, uh, in uh kenobi you know like yeah, the, I, the more there, visceral there's truth Vader. to that there's truth to that 100 percent. i mean ha, unless they're just so close-minded how could you not witness the reaction from the fans to that scene and not go you know what we probably should do more live action vader and and kind of let him go ham that these crazy fuckers they seem to dig this shit you know what i mean like that that's not a hard little meeting to have not a you know, you, you call up the creative chief creative officer and that meeting should take about five minutes. Like, hey, yeah. you see what they did there? Let's do more of it. They'll <laughs> like it. 
It's okay. So, um, Tones is saying, got to get at K2 at some point in season two. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, it comes down to, is has Tyduck been lying to us and he's truly not in season one or do we get that? But yeah, I agree. If you don't see K2 in season one, which again is only the, the 12 episodes of season one is only covering year one of the Andor st- um, story. Mm-hmm. Season two is the season where you're going to get the four years of coverage. Yeah by the time all 12 episodes have aired. Yeah, so. it'll probably, you know, probably show you how, like you said, yeah, like how he met K2, how more context behind Galen and and what his, you know, right. work was and everything like that. Just like basically take the story of Rogue One and dive deeper into like how we got there, you know. Exactly. So. Exactly. Well, Nick, you kind of teed up Diego's quote. So thank you. You're yeah. a professional. So here's what Luna had to say. Rogue One is more about an event than the actual journey of the characters. It's quite amazing to start a show where it's not about where we can end. It's about how did we end there? So Nick hit it right on the fucking head. We're going to see all the little minutia, all the little buildup to the opening credits of Rogue One. I mean, yeah. And that, that, that's kind of how they make it sound. Like it, it, the season two, by the finale should almost be teeing up the opening shot of Rogue One, seeing Krennic shuttle head down to the the Urso farm and all that fun stuff. And uh, that, that that's pretty exciting. I mean, I uh I I I don't quite have the oh I gotta see I mean clearly I'm I'm excited to watch Andor, but it's not the same feeling I had for Obi-Wan or even Book of Boba Fett. I've always been like, hey, Andor, cool. It's Star Wars. I'm down for it. I'll consume it. But I've never had to like, yeah, I can't fucking wait to see what Cassian gets into. You know what I mean? I think it was (laughs) like because those characters had such a short shelf life. Like you you were only with them for, you know, two, two and a half hours. Yeah. That's by design. you, You didn't really get the attachment that you need to like build hype for something like Kenobi was because I felt the same way like I felt like oh it's it's cool that we're getting Andor it's cool that we're exploring that time period more and exploring these characters more but I never felt like that you know if I'll put it this way if if we didn't get Andor like as a series I wouldn't have been upset you know yeah I'm, I'm with you I'm with you but yeah, um, like, like I said, I'll, I'll always take Star Wars. Or I'll, I'll always give it a stab. And so far, I, I tend to like it. I know to some people that makes me a clown, but I, I'm, I'm OK with that. I, I like Star Wars. It makes me happy. I watch it for story much more than for production value. Uh, but you, you're right. I mean, look, again, Diego said exactly what you just uh, eloquated there. I mean, Rogue One was more about the event than the characters. Yeah. So. You, you you hit you hit it again. You're you're two for two on this segment on your wise wise breakdown. <laughs> um, uh, like I said though, we we did get the full list of writers and directors for Andor. I'll go ahead and, and pop that up on the screen if you're on the uh, live stream live stream. If you want to join two thirty p East YouTube Tuesdays. So here we go. This is an official kind of press release. So it's it's good to go. Um, but here here we got the directors. For season one, Toby Haynes, no freaking clue. Toby's got a lot. He's doing one, two, three, and eight, nine, ten. See, those wow, are his. Okay. Those are his three episode blocks. Susanna White has four, five, six. 
And Benjamin Carson or Karen has 7, 11, 12. So Benjamin will be finishing it out. And then the writers are mostly the Gilroy family. Yeah. So like I Tony said, Tony and Dan. And then, yeah, there, there's mean, a cohesive voice here. Yeah. I mean, if you are a fan of, or if you were a fan of uh, House of Cards, Bo Willimon, the guy who adapted that series for TV, is writing episodes eight, nine, and ten. So, all right. Do you know any of these other fuckers? Do like, do you know Stephen Schiff? He got one episode. That's interesting. He's, he's no. only got a single. I wonder what that means. Not not familiar with uh, Stephen Schiff. Uh, for yeah, Susanna, Susanna White. Um, she directed some episodes of Generation Kill, which was an HBO series about the war in Iraq in the early 2000s. So I'm familiar with her work from there. Um, looking up like Benjamin Karen, we'll see what his, I mean, like he did, uh, some episodes of Sherlock in 2017, um, okay. directed some of the crown on Netflix. So if you guys have watched the crown, I, I'm, I, that that's some quality programming then. So yeah, I, I so. think, I think the show's in good hands for sure. Yeah. And then I'm not uh, sure who Toby Haynes is or what he's worked on in the past. Also a lot of British directors here. Toby Haynes also worked on Sherlock 2012, um, director on black mirror 2017, and then directed some doctor who as well. So, Oh, well shit. Their, their pedigree is right in that sci-fi realm. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's a pretty good list. Thankfully, Nick fired up the Google machine for yeah. us. Brought open. And, and checked them out. Because I was just like, well, I'm just going to whip it out there and see. Yeah. What, so, see somebody see may what know get. who these motherfuckers yeah, are. Yeah, these, these people. <laughs> yeah, Tens yeah. brings up a good, good point here. Diego getting in on some of that EP money just like Ewan did for uh, Kenobi. You notice Ewan was the only one that got EP, EP credits, credits, which, yeah, which is essentially like a full other payday yeah you get it you get an extra paycheck and then you also get to say like (laughs) Like hey man maybe maybe i do like a spin here right like maybe yeah right (laughs) Uh, you you give casual uh, casual (laughs) direction but mostly when actors are eps it's for back end and and money type of stuff it's not so much for control it's because their agent worked that deal out for them yeah hey i'm never gonna begrudge anyone for making some cash so uh, go f- good for you, Diego and you and get that EP money and get oh, yeah. that, that cast money as well. It's a shame Hayden didn't, didn't get that, that type of deal, but may- Hey, maybe if they do a season two, he can work that into his negotiations. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but Hey, you know, that's why general Kenobi was called the negotiator. After I mean, all. honestly, if you were Ewan and look, I mean, not Ewan, if you were, um, if you were Hayden at that time, you had no leverage to, to yeah, negotiate. Pretty much. Like <laughs> pretty what, much. what were they going to say? Like, Oh, what are you going to do? Go work on something else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> as fucked up yeah, as no, that you, sounds yeah, you, like it is. You're right. I mean, they kind of had him by the balls and they've had him by the balls since 2005 more <laughs> yeah, or less. I mean, realistically, they, yes. They, they stifled his career. So, Oh, well. uh, who knows here? I just, I got to, crash out an app here real quick before it blows something up oh no maybe maybe yeah, matt be, will be the one that drops instead of me <laughs> it might be my turn this I week mean, this, this may be a record uh, in the last few months of how long i've been on a cast without my fucking skype dropping so maybe microsoft made some updates over here hold on let's see if I, there we go 
oh shit, it's Safari that's bombed out. Oh no, <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm using to drive the show. Oh no, oh, no I, can't, I can't even. I can't even switch uh, tabs. It's all right. We, it's okay. We can get him back up and running here. Um, but yeah, so the the, the Andor stuff. While it didn't, I, I'm not. Oh, there we go. We're we're back in business. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. I probably spoke too soon. I don't know. I, I just, I, I think the approach Gilroy and his team is taking is, it's interesting. And uh, if done right, I think it's going to be badass to see those time jumps. You, you can really cover a lot of material. You know what yeah. I mean? A lot of, a lot of time, if you will. What yeah. And I, Gilroy and like, if you think about it too, like in the formation of the rebellion and stuff like that, like. Prior to Rogue One and the events that happened on Scarif with the stealing of the Death Star plans and stuff like that, there was no big event or big events that had happened within the Rebellion before then. So, like, it makes sense that you cover years in this show because you're not going to have, like, one tentpole event or one huge happening that's going to take up four or five episodes, you know? Like, it's all of the building. It's, it's the building blocks of the Rebellion that we'll see happening. So having it over four or five years may seem like a long time, but realistically, like the the rebellion was pretty low key up until the invasion of Scarif. So no, you're right. I mean, it it was still cellular for the most part. Yeah. You'd have cells out there. You'd have your Phoenix squadrons and then Saul's group and this person, my Mothma's group over at the, the Masasi temple, all that fun stuff. Uh, yeah, so th- I, I think that's what I'm most excited for in Andor is just seeing the state of the galaxy again. Same same excitement that Bad Batch kind of, or, or same itch that Bad Batch scratches where you're getting a peek. And even hell, even Kenobi gave us some of this. You're, you're getting a peek at Prime Empire, which when you think about it, when we were first introduced to it, especially if you were you know a child of the 70s or 80s, we came in at the tail end of the empire's reign. I mean, we, we got to see the empire's reign for like the last three or four years of its existence. And then it failed or, or so we thought we, we are with the, with the bad batch and the Kenobis and eventually the Andors, we are seeing primo empire. Yeah. You know, like, like empire flex at, at the this, height. Yeah. Yeah. This is where Sidious, you know, he's in there looking at himself in the mirror like hitting the crab going like, <laughs> do it, do it. Flexing hard on Vader. You know, Vader's probably feeling a little bit better. You know, the, we'll, it'll be a few years after his beatdown from Kenobi. So he's probably got some of his mojo back at this point in time. Uh, that's what I'm excited for in Andor. It's yeah. not necessarily Cassium and his, himself. While I, I like the character, think Diego's great. I'm I'm probably more intrigued with with Mon Mothma's plot lines and, and kind of what she's getting into and stuff like that. Uh, just because we know how big of a hand she has had in the rebellion itself, all the way back to the Revenge of the Sith days. Yeah. Yeah, right, Safari is definitely on crack, so I'm gonna try to for- force quit this thing out here. Um, everything is jacked. Everything is jacked, but don't worry, guys. As soon as Matt gets that figured out, we got some Nick, Kenobi Nick will news. drop out. <laughs> yeah, I'll <laughs> drop as out. As soon as this comes back, everything will Nick fail. Will drop out. But uh, we have some Kenobi news coming up for uh, for you from Stuart Beatty, who is the guy who wrote. 
the film adaptation for Kenobi initially and then was turned into the show. We have some conversations that he had with the direct about Reva and what her fate was in the movies. And then also a character that was left out of the show, uh, but played a pretty integral part in the movies that we, hey, we, we may get to see in a Kenobi season two if it happens. So... I agree. And we're back. We, we, we've got some screenage now. There I think. we go. I mean, let me check uh, the dashboard. There we go. Um, maybe it'll catch up at some point. No, it sure hasn't. So hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Guess who's uh, back. Yay! Yay! It's back. I love right. you, technology. So, yeah, as Nick said, and again, I, I did shorts on these. Uh, uh, the first one we're going to talk about is how different Reva's journey ended up in the the series we got versus the way BD, her creator, like this guy, like Reva has been a character for years, my friends. Yes, yes. Especially those of you who are like, oh, going woke and she's the woke and blah, 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 woke, go woke. Kenobi went woke. Reva literally has been a part of the Kenobi project since its inception, since movie days. 2017 yeah, so. is when he said that the character of Reva was created. So Yeah, so so five years ago, she's yeah. been in existence in some form or fashion. And, and clearly she made it into the version we got. But Beatty did reveal that her path was much, much different in yeah. his original script. In fact, I, I believe some of this is what got leaked early on as the real ending. Yeah. Uh, so while, you know, the leakers ended up being incorrect, they really weren't because they were probably still getting information yeah, from they, the they, original they had, like, script. The the old info, the draft one info. But what I think is interesting here, and then also in the next one is you get to see decision-making differences between film and TV. And yeah. I'll, yep. I'll kind of like clarify that a little bit after we read through some of the quotes. So, so starting off with the Reva one, um, you know, Stuart Beatty was talking about how, um, Reva's fate was different in the movies and her knowledge of events and people were also different. So, um, here, here's one of the quotes he said, yeah, except the only little difference in mine was she didn't know Darth Vader was Anakin. Because I was like, how'd she know that? All she saw was Anakin as Anakin because he hadn't changed into the suit yet, right? So Anakin killed her friends, right? Right. (laughs) So Anakin killed her friends, put the scar on her, almost killed her, left her for dead, basically. So in her mind, the Jedi Council were the biggest villains in the galaxy. She believed the lies that they were plotting a coup to overtake and get power and all that but they were stopped by the clones. So she believed that's why she's hunting Jedi because she believed the Jedi are the worst basically. Yeah. Um, So she, she bought into Sidious's bullshit. Yeah. Hook, line and sinker. She's she saw the hollows laying in her recovery bed or whatever. And she's like, fuck these guys. Fuck that Anakin dude. And yeah, that's kind of where her hate for the Jedi. So that's was that was Beatty's mindset going into the film adaptation of Reva is that she doesn't know Vader's Anakin because she thinks that all Jedi are bad. Now, the version of Reva that we got knew Anakin was Vader. And here's what, what I'll say there is like even as a young child, like she was obviously strong enough in the force to bring to the temple She's obviously strong enough in the force to survive a lightsaber, gas stab, whatever you want to call it. So like she, she was a pretty powerful force user. 
Um, and usually powerful force users can feel the presence of other powerful force users that they've interacted with when they're around them. So in this instance, I can kind of see where, where Beatty's coming from, but like if you take the force into account and if you also take into account that like, Hey man, like when, when stuff was going down at the Jedi temple, we also know that there were Jedi that were actively fighting against the clones that were actively trying to fight against Anakin as he was making his way through the the temple and slaughtering everybody. So I guess that's kind of how they, they changed that perceptive lens for Reva is like, okay, well, even if she didn't know that, you know, that Anakin was the only one portraying like, or perpetrating this, then she would still know that Anakin is Vader just purely based off of like force, you know, what she felt when she was stabbed by Anakin in the presence that she feels when she's in the presence well, of Vader. I, I know he wasn't in the suit yet, and, and I think we, we kind of made this point to explain how she would have figured it out. He was Lord Vader. I yeah. mean, there's a good chance the 501 over their comms was like, Lord Vader, there's some in the hallway. Lord Vader, there's some in the atrium. Lord yeah. Vader, we've got, you know, one little batch of kids you need to mow through still. So that stuff to me again i'm i don't get worked up on that type of minutia yeah. didn't didn't um, really bother me at all but yeah some but yeah bd bd want kind of like just hard line let's stick to the the palpatine story to the galaxy that the jedi were plotting a coup and that's where she developed the hate for them yeah uh so ultimately you know she was truly hunting jedi to kill them that's why she was going after Kenobi. Like, fuck you. You were one of the more powerful ones. You need to die. You, you coup attempting motherfucker. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that, that was her mindset. Very hard but, line. Yeah. But uh, here, here's kind of where things also changed for Reva because she was supposed to die at the hands of Vader, but the way it went down may not be like you thought. So here we go. Yeah. Killed by Vader at the end of it. Yeah. I wanted this story. I wanted her story to end. I wanted Reva to play her part in the Kenobi Vader story, which was essentially at the end, she was the one that allowed Vader, basically told Vader to stop hunting Kenobi. You know, she ended the obsession Vader had with Kenobi. She claimed it was over. It's done. So that was, that was her role to play. And she'd done so many terrible things. I felt she had to die. <laughs> you can only redeem so much. So what he was saying was that ultimately Kenobi was going to talk sense into her and reveal to her, like, listen, Darth Vader's Anakin Skywalker, you dummy. Yeah. You're you're doing all this terrible shit in his name thinking that, you know, the Jedi were bad. And, and she goes like, oh, fuck. That's when she goes back to Vader now and essentially says, hey, I found him. I killed him. And Vader's like, fuck you. You took my prize. Ugh. Yeah. You're dead. Stab. That, that, that now, was going to be Reva's end. Now, to me, this is a big difference between movie storytelling and TV show storytelling. Because in a movie, you have to assume that what is end is the end. You know, like if if Beatty were to write a trilogy where Reva lives at the end, then now that the onus is on someone else to take up the story or to decide like what happens to her, like how does she factor into the galaxy outside of this tale? But for a TV show especially a TV show that's likely to get multiple seasons, you can keep a character like Reva around because now the onus is on you as a storyteller um, 
to, to finish her tale. And you can do that way more easily through TV than you can through movies. Um, so I think that the, the idea to change Kenobi from a film trilogy to a live action series actually gave Reva essentially a second life because it allowed them to extend her story for as long as they can through TV. Well, and we got a two hour movie turned into four and a half hours of narrative. Exactly. That, that to me is a bonus. I, I prefer the extra two and a half hours. Even if we had to wait a few weeks to get, to get the full picture than than just the two hour shot. You know what I mean? So I, I think ultimately it, it sucks that, solo sunk the star Wars story kind of movie franchise thing, because I I do think there are characters that fit well for that star Wars story motif. Yeah. I'm fucking solo. I mean, I don't don't give a shit what KK says. Alden was fine. It was a fun cast. They had good story set up for a second movie or three movies. Uh, But Hey, it's dead. That, that shit ain't coming back. I mean, the, the star Wars story movies are dead. And once we get through our Taika segment, Movies in general could be gone from Star Wars for quite some time, as we've been talking about here. So, Nick, now that you know this, I, I don't the Fallen Order stuff. It's like whatever. I mean, yeah, uh, the, he he did offer up one more quote saying, "Listen, Reva existed a year before Fallen Order even came out, or I knew about it. So, no, she's not a clone of of Trilla. In fact, Trilla is more of a clone of Reva. Yeah, because uh, really, if you think about it, what we're telling you." is the exact story you got in Jedi Fallen Order with the second sister. Yeah, pretty much. It's, <laughs> it's spot on. It's the exact story. Trilla is Reva of the Kenobi movie. It's not even different outside of instead of having a boner for Kenobi, Trilla had the, the hard on for Cal and her former master. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's dead nuts on. Like she even goes back and Vader kills her for trying to like do the right thing. And that, yeah. that's what was going to happen to Reva. So Nick, I ask you, do you prefer the movie version or Reva making it to possibly tell another tale? I, I like the TV show version better. And I also like it not only because, well, outside of her living, I, I like it because she knew who Anakin was. I like that that wasn't a hidden, like hidden behind something because realistically, like, like I was saying before, like there was so much that was happening in that temple and yes, it could be difficult to like keep track of everything that was happening. But as a, like, even as like a force sensitive child, like you see this person who stabbed you, like, even if you didn't see, you know, stabbed you, cut down all of your friends, even if you didn't see the other Jedi who were trying to defend you in the, in the, in the Jedi temple, you as a force user would be able to tell like, that's the motherfucker that stabbed me as soon as you walked into the room with Vader. I get that. I get that. It's like a, it's almost like you're the force is like a social security number, right? Yeah. Where where you can, you can sense through someone's force presence who, who they are. Yeah. I, I mean, she, she was doing it in the, in the early runs, right. Where, where they were on the run and, and he yeah. would be hiding and just walking into a room. She'd be like, Oh ugh, yeah. And start I mean, talking all the smack. Yeah. When, him. when she walked into the room where the underground tunnel was for like for the path, like she knew that people were there. She knew. Yeah. Yep. Um, and she knew almost exactly who it was. So it would be weird if she was standing in a room with Darth Vader and didn't know that it was Anakin, but yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so I, 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 I do I'm, like the TV. Real quick, we got our our little special guest spot. Here she is. Nice. Hello, eating a cookie. Yep. A little bored today because it's raining outside, so she hasn't been able to play with the gang so much. <laughs> I actually have. Oh, toys. okay. I'm sorry. I didn't. Yeah. Know. All right. Say <laughs> hello. Hello. Enjoy your cookie. Right. Hello. May the force be with us. Right. All right. See you, little lady. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. I'm with you. I like that Reva has potential to become more. Uh, I know, I mean, literally her path is wide open. I think last week we were talking about where she, where she could go to me. She has a natural, she is a natural fit with Roken's faction. Yeah. Having a, a former Jedi fallen inquisitor, uh, further redeeming herself with the path and getting force users to safety just makes the most sense to me. Yeah. It's like giving roken's group a a superhero to have on hand at all times because while they're trying to save force people they didn't have any force people within their ranks tala didn't have the force haja had the fake force roken didn't have the force it was mostly the kids who don't know how to use it yet now if you link reva up with them it just makes sense You, you get a a protector like you know you're you're getting a superhero um, but that's, that's if they yeah. do a season two at this point, I, I, I it, it's gotta be inevitable. I don't, I don't know yeah. how they miss on it. If you believe all these Nielsen ratings and streaming records and yada, 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 you know what yeah, I mean? So, I agree. I also think that star Wars fans in general have this, we have a spoiled mindset where it's like, if you get introduced to a character, we feel that it is it's a given that we see how their tale ends as well. Like, even if it is like an ancillary character, um, we, we feel like, oh, well, you've Damn introduced... Damn it, Nick, I want to see, see what <laughs> Frog Lady and her husband are up to. That's what, dude, that's... They're kids! They're kids, man! Yeah, we what need happened to see to if them? the kids survived. Like, it's... <laughs> and we need to, like, we need to come to the realization that it's okay for some characters to just fade True. into the background. You know, True. like, they... They had their time in the spotlight with the main characters and then they just go on and they live their life. Like you don't have to see Reva die and we don't necessarily have to see all of the work that Reva does after she's been redeemed. You know, agreed. We, it's, we're it's, going to get it though. Like, yeah, we're I mean, going to get it the season two, but you are right. I mean, it, it, like we feel like they're, it, it, they're, it could just like an end ownership. there. Yeah. It could just end there because she served her role to the overall story, which exactly. was to awaken Kenobi to the force again. And that's it. That that's that's what her job was. And and she achieved that. He walked away, you know, with a shit eating grin, dropping hello there on people. So <laughs> he's he's in a much better place thanks to the journey that she set him off on. So yeah. she did serve her purpose hundred percent. Yeah. You are right. Now we're going to get her if there's a season two because oh, yeah. she's an established main character, you know, all that fun stuff. So, and, and, and I'm all for it. Like I, I liked the character. I thought Moses did a great job and, and there is an interesting direction that character could go. And, and hopefully she does die with honor with, with like a, a huge sacrifice. Cause I, I, I would probably go with, she should probably be dead by the time a new hope comes around just like Canaan was killed off and just like Ezra was removed 
literally yeah. from the fucking chessboard. Yeah. If you notice that they they removed any of these new Jedi they've brought up over the years. Yeah. You, they've <laughs> all been systematically taken off of the fucking board before the events of a new hope. Yeah. And that's just guess, like that it's it's just a hard thing to have to deal with when you want to create interesting new characters but you essentially have them on a time limit. Like Either yeah. you have to be dead or you have to be somewhere where we don't care about you by the time A New Hope starts. The only one that was not removed, and, and I think we could excuse it with some technicalities, is Ahsoka. She's not a Jedi. She's not a Sith. She's a, what is now described as an unaligned Force user. Yes, my friends, that is a new classification of Force user in Star Wars. Look it up. Kylo is one. Rey is one. Ahsoka is one. Uh, uh, Visa Mars is considered an unaligned force user. Uh, I know this because of Galaxy of Heroes and all the factions and all that fun <laughs> stuff. But they are unaligned force users. But if you think about the way they handled Ahsoka, they still technically included her because of the epilogue in Rebels. They're like, oh yeah, she was around. She helped fight uh, for the Rebel Alliance and we won the Battle of Endor and now she's going out on an adventure with Sabine. So that, that, that's kind of how they skirted around keeping her in the mix, but outside of that, if you know, if you think about it, most of the Jedi that have been created after we thought all Jedi were killed outside of Kenobi, Yoda, and the Skywalker kids, they they have been kind of benched yeah. before Luke's <laughs> Luke's time to shine. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, interested to see how her storyline plays out if there is a season two of Kenobi I, at this point, like you said, there's no reason for there not to be a season two of Kenobi. Um, so I, I am genuinely interested to see where she ends up. I mean, it makes the most sense for her to, to hook up with the path and then somehow be involved with the rebel Alliance in some way. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. I mean, they may kill her at the end of season two because you still have that same issue. Like you just brought up of, these force users who we know are out there, but something yeah, what, has what to be. What the fuck are they doing? Yeah. Like, it's like, hello, a guy just blew up the Death Star in, in a fucking X-Wing by himself with the help of a scoundrel and a walking carpet. Like, th does that not stand out as an amazing feat? Yeah. Is that not a call to arms to you magic people out there? So, yeah. But they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. And if not, I don't really give a shit. That type of stuff I can write off. I've had someone leave like detailed <laughs> comments on some of these breakdowns, like issue number one, blah, blah, why no time? Issue number two. I'm like, you know what? These are all, I guess, valid issues in storytelling, but who cares? But like, it's also like persistent storytelling. So at, at yeah, some I point, mean, the, like the, maybe it will be addressed, but it doesn't have to be immediately either. Dude, I'm, I'm talking like minute, like why didn't they... Why didn't they just send TIE fighters after Kenobi's shuttle? Well, Vader specifically told everyone, fuck uh, you. Yeah. Fuck those people. This is my ship. I'm Darth Vader. We're going after Obi-Wan, and I'm going after him myself. I don't want anyone else involved. Like, who? That just makes sense to me. He's Darth Vader. No one is going to cross him, yeah. period. What do you think they're what do you think they're gonna do? Do you think that these TIE fighter pilots are just gonna launch themselves out of the fucking thing? When Vader yeah. says no, it's a no. Right. It, it's so. a it's a blanket no. I mean, even the Grand Inquisitor looked at him like, Are you serious, dude? This is a ridiculous tactical blunder on your part. But 
Oh, I forgot. You're Darth Vader. Whatever you want, pal. Sounds yeah. good to it's me. Like, I don't want to be on your get bad choked side to death so. today. So you can yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. That's I. I don't. I don't know. I don't get wrapped up in that type of stuff. It's just yeah. Star Wars to me has always been full of plot convenience because it's a science fiction property. Yeah, it's got to be. You know? <laughs> doesn't have to be that realistic. I mean, there's the good guys usually get away with some crazy shit and that's not just star Wars I mean, that's everything. Just look at anything. Even, even these shows that pretend you're just dealing with normal people like, uh, you know, back in the day, like lethal weapons or, uh, diehards. I mean, l- l- look at the shit that, that Bruce Willis's <laughs> character got away with as a fucking human. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no space magic, none of that stuff. But we all liked it. We all think it's fun. Who cares? All right. So that was one of the changes um, from Obi Wan. You know, we we yeah. the last week we learned that it was supposed to be a trilogy, and uh, this is how Stewart thinks season two should go, which is kind of Obi Wan dealing with his known mortality and and how he's going to come to grips with that. Then we got the whole Reva thing, and now for you clone bros out there. It's also been revealed that Commander Cody was going to be a pretty major character in the series, almost like Kenobi's buddy on Tatooine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, we're not talking like a cameo or a guest star role. Tamara's name would have been in the cast. Yeah. Just he, like, you know, in, would have in been order of appearance, that type of deal. Indeed. Um, yes. Yeah, so. Here's the quote from from Beatty when talking about Commander Cody and his role within the movies. Um, he says, yeah, yeah, Cody was the big one. I love the idea of Obi-Wan having a buddy on Tatooine, like a secret buddy. So like the first time he goes into town, you see Cody and he's following him through the streets and attacks him, takes him into an alley with a knife to his throat and says, you're dead. And then you realize, oh, no, Cody's making a point like come on, you got to be more careful. So he's like Kenobi's protector almost. Right. But how cool would that scene have been for fans? Because the way he sets it up, we wouldn't have known that yet, Nick. So Mm -hmm. we'd be sitting there as fans. I'd be be up at 5 a.m. in my underwear, sitting downstairs in the dark. And you see Tamara Morrison pop up on screen. Maybe he's got a little of that clone armor on still, the the iconic yellow. So you immediately know it's Cody. And you're like, oh, shit, Cody. And then you see Obi-Wan. You're like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going to happen? Is is he still like Order 66, Cody? Yeah, remember, Cody took a fucking shot at his general. Yeah. He just, you know, hit hit the ledge and knocked off the lizard beast instead of hitting his mark. So he he wanted to kill him. He was he was. Doing what he what what's Crosshair's line here? Good soldiers follow yeah, orders. Good soldiers. He was follow. all in on that. Yeah. So think about again as a fan, you don't know anything yet, and you see Kenobi, you see a Cody, and you're going, "Oh shit!" Right away, they're they're going to show an attempt on Kenobi's life through Cody. Yeah. And you're like, "Ah la la la!" And then you, they get in the alleyway, and you 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 learn that no, these two have been together for who knows how long, and Cody truly is his bodyguard at this point in time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so with that, Beatty explains that at some point, Cody does have his inhibitor or his inhibitor chip removed. So he's no longer under the influence of the empire. That's how he's been able to, you know, do things on his own. So here's his quote here. He says, and you realize, Oh, Cody has now morphed from someone who was trying to kill him when we last saw them to someone who was now devoting his life to protecting him. Because by now he's had the biochip taken out of his head and now he realizes, oh my God, what I did was wrong. 
and he has driven he, uh, he has been driven by guilt as much as Obi-Wan has been driven by guilt. So you got these two kind of old warriors <laughs> bickering like this old married couple bitching about God. <laughs> it was so much better when we just had an army at our backs, you know? <laughs> yeah. So in this version, Nick, it, it seems like, yeah, Kenobi is still a bit depressed, but he wouldn't yeah. have been as lonely and as kind of sequestered and shut down Yeah, in, in this version. Because, I mean, Stewart's making it seem like, again, Kenobi, it, it was it was almost going to be a buddy movie. Yeah. Fucking Kenobi and Cody, the Kenobi and Cody series. Yeah. And but it, it does it does sound like the, the, those would have been some fun conversations between yeah. these two. 10 years after their war days. And look, I could see this happening in season two. Like Cody to me is still a very open and viable character in well, season two. It may not it be depends. in this way though. Right. C- Cause here's what, what's happened now since the movie changed, we know for a fact, Cody is getting addressed in bad batch season two. Okay. So yeah. What do they do with him there? Hopefully they don't kill him off. It it does seem like he's starting to have reservations about how he's acting uh, because it looks like he's teamed up with Crosshair and still on the Empire side, but he's questioning things kind of like the other Bad Batchers did. And um, Homeboy, what's Homeboy? Hauser? Was Uh, it Hauser? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... I think at this point we have to see what Bad Batch does with the character. Do yeah. they redeem him and does he go the route of Rex and removes his chip or does he kind of sacrifice himself to save Rex in in Clone Force 99, the Bad Batch whatever you want to call him and kind of ends his time there. But that yeah, so that you are right until we see what happens in Bad Batch. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I would love to see Cody make the turn back, like get the inhibitor chip removed and actually, you know, take on a role, like seek out Kenobi and have an interaction like this for the first time that we oh, see totally, him in season totally. two, you know? Yeah, because they were boys. I mean, they're yeah. in the movies. That that was the only really interaction we got more than just, hey, soldiers, go do something. I mean, in, in Rots, you they you can see their relationship, even though it's just a quick scene like, hey, asshole, you dropped your lightsaber. Yeah. Here you but go. you could tell they had they had bonded. And then obviously, if you've watched Clone Wars, you realize that, yeah, they were, they you were know, Cody and, and Kenobi. That that uh, was his guy. I mean, Kenobi relied on Cody just like Anakin relied on Rex. They all yeah. kind of had their captains and commanders. So exactly. I'm with you. I'm with you. It, it just depends on what you know dave's group did in the animation wing yeah with cody in this season of bad batch i'm assuming he's either going for heartstrings or he's going for heroics and yeah. keeping cody alive just well, for fan service the good thing now with with um filoni being the creative director of lucasfilm and not just like you know on a project by project basis is that he has the full scope now so he he can go into bad batch and he can tell the Bad Batch guys like, hey, uh, yeah. we need Cody alive because we're going to use him in season two of Kenobi. Right. Um, you know, where before, if, you know, if he was only working on Mando and Ahsoka, he doesn't really have input into what the the people on Bad Batch do. Like he he can he can say like, hey, guys, if, if you can, can you leave him alive? Because I'd like to use him. But he didn't have the authority to really make that happen. Now he can make that happen. He can make whatever he wants to happen, happen. Um, there's one other quote here from, from Beatty before we move on from these stories. This would have been, 
very interesting if they went this yeah. way. And again, like I feel like something like this, given a season two of Kenobi and given Cody alive and with his inhibitor chip could still potentially happen. So, so baby, yeah, I mean, especially if like we were talking last week, if Kenobi does decide to Get set. explore force temples and really kind of hunker down for learning exactly. how to become a ghost, he, he probably is going to have to leave again. And that would offer up this exact situation you're about to quote. 100%. So here's, here's the quote here. And he says, and the idea of mine was that when Obi-Wan had to leave Tatooine, he left Cody in charge of Luke. And that gave <laughs> us a fun little B story to keep cutting away to. And yeah, he's really, he's a really fun character and a guy racing against the clock, obviously, because he's aging twice as fast. He's trying to atone for the worst thing he's ever done in his life. So tragic in a way, but just fun. The way they bickered in my stuff, it was just, you know, put a smile on your face and, you know, laughs, (laughs) just arguing all the time. So, so, I mean, really, if you think about Nick, this is what we got between Leia and Ben. Yeah. It was the comedic, like to a degree, like Cody was kind of like right. the comedic relief. Yeah, you you were, were going to kind of get that back and forth where you could tell they cared for each other, but you know the little Skywalker is still giving shit to the adult. Yeah, kind of kind of standing out from other younglings, uh, where you could tell they were special. They're not just you know a dopey ten year old. Uh, so yeah, I mean th- th- this would have been fun, but I, I'm with you. Depending on what happens in Bad Batch, again, this is all this is still on the table. Yeah, if I we know. do a second season of Kenobi, I agree. And uh, I would say, as long as Cody is gone by the time the Rebels timeline comes around, continuity is intact. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it, it would get weird if Cody's still alive yet he doesn't get mixed up with Rex, Gregor, and Wolf. Like as as old men, why? How do they not kind of? All, all come together if, if yeah. they if they know that they're out and about in the galaxy um, doing good for the Rebel Alliance. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Cody and, and Bad Batch. I really do hope that they give him a redemption arc, um, and we do get to see him in in season two of Kenobi because I think that that relationship is exactly what Ben needs. Like he needs somebody to ground himself in, to a certain degree. Like, even if it's just sitting in the hovel and shooting the shit, like we, we always assumed that this man was just alone, alone for a decade, almost two decades. But just to have somebody that he can like reminisce with, even for an hour a day would just, it would make so much more sense as to why Kenobi was as, I guess you would say jovial as he was when he first saw Luke in A New Hope. Because he hasn't been like completely beaten down by time, so correct. I still, I mean, I I still like what we got though. I I appreciated seeing this character, this Jedi Master, this general, broken down into a a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. So I, I did like that he did not have that support system yeah. in season one. I, I, I I do think we need to see Kenobi at his lowest. And how he was unwilling to help the galaxy at that stage. And then the journey that brought him back to Mr. Hello there. Hey there, Qui-Gon. We know what we need to do now. There is hope. We can do this. I know I got to chill with Luke and just kind of let that, that, let the force take care of that. Because Beatty, I think in some of these articles was hinting that 
Kenobi was really pushing the, I need to train Luke and Luke's got to do this and that at, at a young age. Like he's got to, just like the old Jedi would have been, you got to get them young. You got to get them before they have emotions. And I, I, I dig the Kenobi we got. I like seeing that broken man because it, you really could see the, his own redemption to himself, but also him morphing from cave boy to mythos Obi-Wan complete with goggles in sleeveless robe. Yeah. I I agree that having him like this on in season one was definitely the right move. So maybe they've already played around with the idea. Maybe they did play around with the idea of having Cody in it, but they were like, Hey, for now we need to see him like really, really downtrodden. Yeah, I I, I think that was the right choice. Uh, BD said, he's like, I don't know why Cody got cut. He's like, I'm guessing the fact that the book of Boba Fett became a thing and we lost Tamara when they would have been, getting ready to shoot could have been one of the reasons but uh, ultimately I think if you really think about it and you kind of put your Cody fanboyish in check it was the right move I, I really think the broken Kenobi was the way to start to really see him kind of go through those trials and tribulations to become an even better version of the the man we saw at the end of Revenge of the Sith I mean he yeah. is he is on his way to making that crazy ass sound in the Dune Sea, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the crate dragon the crate, the sound, as, as they so cream. call it. South B twenty four asks in the chat. He said, "What's the life expectancy of a clone?" So I looked it up, and basically the way that that I've seen it broken down is it takes ten years for them to mature into combat form from the time that they are created to you know, when they can be deployed. So that's so like their twenties. Yeah. So, so like that's, 10 years, they age 20 yeah. about. So, so roughly their lifespan is 40 to 50 years given the aging, the advanced aging. Um, so yeah. So by the time they're 40, you could figure they're in their eighties or nineties. It's not a one to one ratio, but it's roughly double. Like one year is two years for a clone. So, all right. Roughly, yeah, and we know, and we know through canon that Rex makes it into his white-haired years. I mean, he's he's yeah. alive all the way through Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So if you if you figure, yeah, I mean, I don't want to do like Rex's whole lifespan here, but it was probably what 30, 30, 35 years from when he was. Well, when he he was a general gen, G one clone. Yeah. So he he would have been at the Battle Episode of Geonosis. Two. So so he was what. 10 years he was deep yeah our 10 they're 10 years deep but for him he was 20 yeah technically at the battle of geonosis Mm -hmm. so and then from geonosis what was to the to from geonosis to the end of the clone wars is three years so that's six for him right so he's 26 at the end of the clone wars so battle of geonosis took place 22 bby so it's 22 years from the battle of geonosis to a new hope so that would put him. So at that point, he would be forty-four-ish years old, and then there is an extra six years tacked on, or um, like twelve years for him. So he's yeah, so probably tw- what in his fifties so or sixties, late late fifties. So the graying makes sense. So he could be late fifties, early sixties by the time we see him in yeah. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, because the only clones that were that 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 didn't get the modified genes to make them age faster is, is Boba and Omega. Yeah, right? now they were the only unaltered. 
Yeah, only on Altered Clones. Now, I don't know if they'll bring in the storyline that they brought in in Legends where there were people or there were there were ways for clones to stop the aging, the advanced aging. Um, so who knows if that'll be a thing. I, in, I think that works in commas and book comics and books. I don't know if you, you could really cram that type of hidden detail into a show or series without it getting kind of boring like a... Oh, here's an episode explaining how how Cody stopped his age advancement. Like it just just say it. Like, oh yeah, he he stopped it. He he went to uh with the the mod doctor, the fucking drummer guy or the bass player from <laughs> the Book of Boba Fett, yeah. whatever his name yeah. was. He goes up there and he's like, Oh yeah, no problem. I'll just plug this into your head, I'll mess around with some jeans, and then there you go. Yeah. You're good. You're, you're Get good to go. Here. Bada bing, bada boom. You're fixed. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So I don't know. It, it is interesting to think about, but I, I like this stuff. Like I I don't think Stewart's coming out and doing this to be like, ha ha ha, my shit would have been better. I mean, it, it is his creation, so he wants to talk about it. And, and I, I do like learning about this stuff because, as Nick said at the start of this segment, sometimes it's interesting to just see where a property started and then how it ends. Yeah. And it's almost never going to be what they initially thought it was. Very it, true. It just, you, you never know along the journey of making content like this how something is going to end up as soon as you have an idea. Yeah, there you go, Bat Thundercat. That's right. Dr. Thundercat. That's who the mod doctor was, the <laughs> bass player. Apparently, like, he's one of the sickest bass, I think, bass guitar, uh, bass guitar players out there these days. Nice. Um, and he can fix people's guts with yeah, machines. No problem. So that's uh, that. We haven't had yeah. any other beady revelations. I think uh, the direct squeezed everything they could out of that interview, but there, there were some fun little... Fun little stories to talk about there. Little what ifs, if you will. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so, so one that's kind of a bit of a bummer, especially if you're, you like Star Wars movies and you'd like to see one before you die again. I mean, it's, it's, hard, it's weird to talk about it because we went from a time of uncertainty when George still owned it after 2005 outside of the Clone Wars. We're like, well, that's it. Like, We've seen it all. He's given us the films. He's talking about a TV show. I don't know about that. You know, we we all were yeah. like that because you got to remember back in 05, you, you didn't have the streamers and long form TV. You only had TV shows m- meant for network TV, yep. your sitcoms, and then your, you know, your 43 minute nighttime bangers like uh, uh, Lost shit, and we, shit like yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Lost would have been running back then. So yeah. when we were like, oh, George wants to do a, a show instead of more movies, I was like, yeah, I don't know. And, and even then, I was still a bit jaded by the prequel. So I was like, I don't, George, just take a fucking break, pal. I'll check out these cartoons. But after what you gave me, man, I don't know, maybe maybe retire. But yeah. I've, I've atoned for those sins at this point in time. Let's not retread that, that dangerous road. Then you learn that Disney bought it, and and they're like, we're doing a trilogy. We're doing a Star Wars story. You get a movie. You get a movie. You get a movie. You get a movie. And we're like, yeah, every other year we're going to be Star Wars story trilogy. Star Wars story trilogy. And then 2017 happened. And TLJ dropped and rubbed some people the wrong way, which then in turn caused a boycott of Solo, which then in turn caused nothing but turmoil and cancellations in the Lucasfilm Star Wars movie department. I mean, 
everything's been fucked since then. The only other movie that actually got out was The Rise of Skywalker just because they had to. They had to finish the trilogy. Anything else, they, they wiped off the mat. Boba Fett movie, gone. Kenobi movie, gone. Solo follow-up, gone. Yep. And now, if you listen to Taika, and who knows if it's interview or, or press tour fatigue for Thor the Love and, or God of Thunder, whatever the fuck it is, Taika is now saying some things that lead me to believe like he, he could be another lost director yeah for so, star wars so go ahead Nick. so here here's the quote he says and this is from uh an interview that he was doing like you said on the press junket for love and thunder he says i'm trying to write the star wars idea at the moment i've got to see how that goes because once i submit it that might determine when it get made when it gets made or if it gets made even so there's two ways you can look at that. I took initially, I took it as when he said, if it gets made that if he submits something and they don't like it, they're just gonna be like, all right, thanks for your time. Like, we're just gonna, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll here, get here's, back. To here's you. a quarter of a million dollars. Thanks for yeah. your, your script. See you later. Exactly. But now that I'm thinking about it and now, and, and now that we've seen what we've seen happen with Patty, I'm leaning more towards the idea that maybe what he means by if it gets made is they're probably going to ask me to do rewrites. Um, so if he submits something and they like it, boom, when it gets made. And then if he submits something and they don't like it, then it's like, hey, can you kind of go back to the drawing board on some of this stuff? And to me, what that signals is they're being a way more discerning with the scripts that come through the door for movies now. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're you're being a little liberal on, on the interpretation of that. I, I took it as like he could submit it and literally as Tones is saying, KK busts out her stamp that says creative differences issue failed. <laughs> and he just he's done. I, I guess my thing, Nick, is at what point is KK and Lucasfilm going to learn their lesson in coming out and, and having staged press events to announce this shit? When they haven't even agreed upon a creative vision. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, I what are we talking about? I mean, that graphic, I believe you pulled from way back when, when she was on the stage, like, Tyka's doing a movie. Yeah. Most people, at least me, if you're going to announce that to the world from a, an official company standpoint, you should already have the vision ironed out. Like, hey, Tyka. Write me a Star Wars, uh, punch up a Star Wars story. He does it, shows it to Kathy. She goes, we can do this. We can work with this. I'm going to, I'm going to announce it. That's how it should happen. Not, yeah. I'm going to announce you're involved, get everyone excited. And then behind the scenes, we don't even know what you want to make yet. So yeah. we could technically still so fire you. I think what likely happened is, and this seems like the work, like Hollywood working, like it's kind of how it goes. Like you give an elevator pitch. So likely what happened was either Taika approached them or they approached Taika and they were like, Hey man, like we're interested in you. Why don't you just give us an elevator pitch on like what you think that you would be able to do with a star Wars movie, you know, took a day, came back and he's like, all right, here, here's the deal. Here's what I want to do. I want to do old Republic. I want to do Jedi and Sith fighting. This is what I want to do. Again, this is all speculation. This is all just me kind of thinking about how this could have gone down. And they're like, man, love it. We definitely want to uh, approach the Old Republic timeline. I think you're the guy to do it. We're going to put you on the docket because 
we like the idea. And then after that has happened, there have been huge organizational changes within Lucasfilm. Like you have to remember at that time, Dave Filoni wasn't even creative director yet. Like Dave Filoni was just Dave Filoni doing the shit that he did before. Yeah, he he was like a big up in the animation yeah. wing, but he exactly. didn't have a global influence over all of Lucasfilm. Yeah. Now with with um Dave there, everything has to go past Dave's desk. And I think we, that we, we hope so. We we hope it's not just a title to Yeah. to make us content as fans. I I hope he does at least get notes every day. Like, Hey, this is what they're thinking on on Andor. This is what they're thinking on Ahsoka. I mean, realistically, I would like, like, I don't think that he has to read every script for every episode, but I feel like, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm talking more like, you know, you get the intern to just give him the sticky note from the day. Like, Hey, this is what they're thinking over in the Andor writing room for season two. What do you, yeah. Is that, is that going to work? Yeah. All right. See ya. But for something like this, for for like tentpole films, I imagine that he gets the script for approval. And if he doesn't approve it, then like, I don't think like, I'll put it this way. Like, I think that Kathleen Kennedy does have some like a a level of creative say in in what is in movies. Of course, dude. I mean, she runs the fucking studio. She she has the end all be all say over everything. But I think that at this point, with Filoni in the position that he's in, he has a much stronger voice than Kathleen in terms of the stories that are told. Like, I think Kathleen is yeah. way more on the side of like, I'm picking the people who are going to be working on things. Like, I'm picking Robert Rodriguez. I'm picking Taika. I'm picking Patty. And then it's more on Dave to be like, you approve what they write. Um. So well, well, yeah, that's how it should work. Cause you gotta remember she's running a, a multi-billion yeah. dollar company too. So she's, she's worried about more than just yeah. story. She yeah. needs, and also like, she's not just getting paid and, and revenues yeah. coming. And in. she's not just wor- like as president of Lucasfilm, like she's also doing Indiana Jones shit. Now that Indiana Jones has started up, she's working on Willow stuff and all of the other Lucasfilm Correct. limited projects that are going on now. So like she's not just Star Wars where Dave is like Dave is like I'm Star Wars man now like this is what my fucking job is. So um, and, I, and I, I'm not it's, I don't we're not sitting here defending some of her choices like I, I do think she has a problem with with blowing her load too early. She does. Yeah. You, you got to like just temper yourself if, if you know down the road that you're going to have issues with these creatives that should all be figured out before you announce Rogue, Rogue Squadron is going to be here in 2023. And then you find out a year later. Just kidding. Who knows when it's coming out or if Patty will even be involved anymore. But it, it just like two weeks ago, Nick, she did the same thing at Celebration. She's like, oh, yeah, Taika, you know, he's probably going to have the 2023 slot now. Give Rogue Squadron some more time. And then this poor guy's getting interviewed for Thor saying, <laughs> I haven't even wrote a fucking script yet. Yeah. Like, what, what are we talking about? So. She has an issue with wanting to get out and, and kind of pound her chest, get the get the bullhorn, rally up the fans, and and you know it looks bad. It looks bad on her when when this stuff starts coming out. Like, okay, well, was there anything on paper? Was there any vision? Or are you just? It, sometimes it seems like she she follows the socials, and you know that this announcement was coming off the tail end. I think Mando season one which 
Taika was involved in, plays IG-11, directed yeah. an episode or two, possibly even wrote some of the episode. Yeah. So people are like, yeah, Taika's great. Love Star Wars. Love IG-11. She's like, okay, let's give him a movie. Just like the thing with Ryan Johnson when, when the critics were like, he's awesome. Best Star Wars ever. And she's like, let's give him a trilogy. Then now, the fans got to see it. And everyone's like, ah. Here's <laughs> so, what I'll say. Like, given her behavior, I think what her problem is, is that she has... And you could look at this as a good thing or a bad thing. She has too much trust in the creators. I mean, because to do what they statement to do what they did with the trilogy, you had to have just ultimate trust in the creators to do things correctly. And that's where it bit them in the ass is that they put too much trust into the hands of these creators. And I feel like that's the same thing with Patty. She's like, I've seen Patty's work. I know Patty. Patty is going to kill it. So she gets like really hyped on these creators who have a good track record. But then when you don't put the reins on them, when you don't put the boundaries on them, then shit gets a little weird. So if anything, to me, what her track record has shown, even with Solo, with, with Miller and Lord, like she gave them so much leeway, so much rope, and they hung themselves with it. Ultimately, mm-hmm. like, I don't like she was like, you guys can go. You can go. You yeah, can I mean, go. They were if you I think it was in the BTS, but they when when Miller and Lord were still doing it, they were taking upwards. I think it was like three weeks to a month just to do the, the Chewy and Han scene in the pit. Yeah. Where they meet each other. <laughs> like, I mean, almost four weeks just to shoot it. Yeah. And you have to imagine That's that money. like. That's as, fucking money. And, and again, yeah. she's the money person. So yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're gone. Yeah. Like as Kathleen at that point, she's like, look guys, I've been giving you as much leeway <laughs> as I can fucking give you. But at a yeah. certain point, like I got to do something about it. Yeah, and apparently then they'd be like, all right, give me another take. All right. <laughs> yeah. Another take, another take, another take. And just the, the people are like, what, are we, what the fuck are we doing? Like, so, I mean, if anything, I would accuse her of being too lenient with the talent that they hire, which I mean, for somebody like I, I I still like even with our little show, let's say if we ever like something ever big happened to us, I would make sure you and I were on the same page. Yeah. Messaging was on the same page. Whatever the creative vision we, we signed off on it. It's in a contract. Then I would go hold a press event to announce it. Yeah. Not not just doing it for the sake of like kind of uh, jump starting the fan base getting them excited because like i said the i believe the taika thing was right on the heels of the end of mandalorian season one and fans would have been keyed into his work on star wars now and and most of us liked it we loved the way he wrote for ig11 the way he delivered the lines the way he directed the episodes so she's like all right hey they like him He's pretty creative. He's getting hot right now with with Marvel and his own JoJo. Yep. Let's do it. He's the hot guy. All without talking to him about a a concrete vision. Like a timeline. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. Like, what what are you doing? Because you do. You end up looking stupid, and you end up. While I think a lot of the poo she gets flung at her is comes from a place that isn't a a kind of a, a, a critical one. It, it's people that have other issues with the other sex and so on and so forth. But she does make herself look foolish yeah. at this point in time. It is, she, she's looking like the boy who cried wolf. If everyone remembers that story. Yeah. Now, now granted um, like Taika may write, like 
Taika may write this, submit it, totally fine, on track for 2023 release. We'll see. But it is funny him saying, like, I'm in the process of writing it, um, but we'll see. I mean, he's, you know, he still has to submit it, so... He's either playing a great game of poker or he's being honest because every time we cover something he says, he's saying the same thing, which is I haven't even fleshed out my idea yet. So, yeah. so come come talk to me later. I don't know what's going on. I'm here for Thor. Shut up about Star Wars. Yeah. And then also, so he had one other small quote at the end when they asked him, they were like, do you care if it gets greenlit or not? Like, you know, if you, if you submit it and they turn it down, like, how would you feel about that? He says... I'm cool as well to take six months off and just go hang out with my kids. So that that's the other thing. He's like, like, he's like, whatever, man. He's like, I'm a like him. <laughs> people yeah. like him, when they get hot, their lives change. I mean, back when they announced this, he didn't have our flags mean death our or flag whatever. Means death. He, do, he wasn't in now free guy. A, like free right, guy. Now, wasn't now that's out. a hit series. He has to yeah. shoot another season of that. Uh, he, he probably didn't have 10 other projects he's working on that we don't know about. So, yeah, um, he he is getting more popular as well, which could be affecting this this Star Wars project. But if I were a betting man, I, I, I sadly, I think at this point, I, I don't I don't think we're going to get that Taika Star Wars movie at, at at any point in the near future. <laughs> I mean, if we do get it, it it's going to be years and years away. Yeah, I mean, if we're, we're still, all still alive at this point. We're still a year and a half essentially out from the yeah, expected dude, I mean, release date. So without I, I a know. script, they, they need to shoot and then they need to do post. I mean, I, I know things move quicker these days, but <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, know if they can go that quick. Your shooting schedule is usually what, like three months. Your post is four to five, eight months. So that gives them an additional four months to write the script. I mean, who knows? Well, I mean, could be you, done. You, you, you might be on to something because they, they can pretty much shoot a, an eight episode season of star Wars TV. in like you said, three to four months and then have it ready to go within it, within a year from the yeah. time they started so, principal. So you, you might be on to something. We still have time. I mean, who knows? Taika is the type of person to just kind of, you know, like he is, he downplays stuff way more than exactly. He needs I mean, come to, on. you know, like, just, just look at, look, look at the way the guy acts in film yeah. and the way he writes. That's probably what he is like in real life. So, yeah. I mean, he could be jerking everyone off right now too. Cause these are all coming from Thor press junket shit where these people want to gouge their eyes out. Cause they talk to idiots like me or Nick all day long in a hotel and get asked the exact same questions. Yeah, exactly. So, so th this could have been end of day and he's just ready to get the fuck out of there. And the, and the person's like, like, Hey man, so how about star Wars? He's like, Hey, not even making it. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. I don't care. Like, I'll go hang out with my kids. Can ask I go me about now? the movie that I just made, please. <laughs> yeah. <he's> like, <laughs> come on. I don't care right now. I'm yeah. trying to make, make a uh, Marvel's or Disney's money back on, on this Thor sequel. Yeah. So. so who knows? We'll see what happens with Taika. I'm sure within the next, like once we start to get towards the end of this year, we'll probably have a more concrete idea of what things look like for his film. Yeah, if Thor: Love and Thunder does well, they, they things may heat back up. If it, if it doesn't do well and it's like a WW two, a Wonder yeah. Woman two, you may start to see, you know, Lucasfilm get a little uh, hesitant about the uh, about the Taika project. But who knows? I, I'm I'm expecting Thor to at least be entertaining I, I i've seen some blurbs here like oh lightning doesn't strike twice like okay well let me let me decide that. yeah we'll see 
Yeah. I mean, again, like that, that movie is going to be another one where like the fucking people, like the critics will probably like give it middling reviews, but everybody who goes to see it is probably going to be like, this yeah, is pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. They'll love it. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how I can. Like, I, I just like the way Taika thinks. I, I like the way, like I said, he writes in a style I appreciate. And he acts like the way he acts is just like so jerk offy. I love it. Like he just always plays a goofball, yeah. even in a movie with deep shit. Like Jojo Rabbit is about some horrific stuff. I mean, it's about the Nazis. He somehow makes it funny in the way he acts. You're like, what the fuck? Like you would never expect to see someone act like that in a movie that touches on the, the Holocaust like the, and the atrocities of the yeah, Nazi like regime. The, like literally like the <laughs> ending of the Nazi regime where like people are being murdered in mass, like fucking yeah. wild. And he plays a Hitler like you, you laugh at. Yeah. You literally laugh at Taika's portrayal of Hitler because it's so Taika. It's so Watiti. Hey, I just have to give Justin a call out here. Not only has uh, Nunez signed in as SW Props, he also signed into the show with his real name. So yeah. he's he's given us double dipping today. So kudos to you, good, double, good man. Double you viewers. Are, you have what earned did he your say? His, his wife is in it? He, what, he, he's what? talking about Nat Natalie. Oh, he, he Natalie. Has a thing for I Natalie. was like, what yeah. are you talking about? I was like, one. <laughs> well, you, I'm assuming Props has probably already seen Love and Thunder because he, yeah. you know, he works the red carpet, so he's oh, probably yeah, definitely seen it the, or at least been on. He got the, the early to screener. He was at yeah. Tyka's house in his personal theater. There you go, watching he, it. He's there massaging Natalie's new muscles, yeah. working out those deltoids she built for herself and those biceps. Yeah. Side gig that he does on the side. Of I Cameo. mean, yeah, come on. If anything, who doesn't want to go see that movie just to see Natalie Portman all swolled up? I mean, that yeah. that to me is worth the price of admission. Yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> uh, well, that's it. That's all the right. Taika news. I know we probably dove way deeper into it than he anticipated with that off off the collar comment. So we'll see what happens with this movie. Probably start to get news later this year and then into 2023. So here we go. All right. Well, Nick, that takes us to the fan segment. That's right. Everyone, your favorite segment of the show. We have arrived kind of right on time, a little ahead of the schedule, which is good because hips starting to go numb and I can't feel my toes. There we go. I'm going to write, write a new song, right? I, instead of I can't feel my face, it's gonna be I can't feel, can't my, feel toes. my toes. Yeah, Are they so, even there? Well, <laughs> apparently, like my one, I can't touch it because I've never been able to stretch. But apparently, my right foot is ice cold permanently. Like it's just Oof. dead. Like just Man. dead. Um, but hey, we've made it to the fan segment. We do it every show once we get through our important topics, the topics that you need to know as a studied and studious Star Wars fan. So if you're new here, the fan segment is broken into two parts. Part number one is question of the week. We post the question of the week every Tuesday morning on our Instagram account at Star Wars Time Show. Check our stories or check our feed. If you reply to it, there's a chance your comment will make the show. We'll read it verbatim. So if you write like a fool, we'll read it like a fool. And maybe we'll even discuss it and make fun of you. And then after that, we move into our bread and butter the one that has made us a scion in the toy community, in the Star Wars artist community, and that is our top five Star Wars artists of the week. But right. now, let's get into the question of the week. And I couldn't leave it alone. 
We're still on the Kenobi track for the question of the week, because why not? It seems to generate some interest. So I asked this week, Nick, I believe, what was your favorite or least favorite part of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series? So yes. I'll start. Um, I, I threw Rippick Tan in here. I'll start with him. Uh, I'll give him some love because he always he's like our, our one of our only story repliers here. Yeah, but he's he's always on time, always gets something in. So here we go. Just the whole vibe slash tone of the series. I got pretty much everything I wanted out of the show and the way the set things in the end. See, we read it as written. It might not make <laughs> sense. And how they could tell more story with Kenobi and Qui-Gon is a nice option to have, which I'll be down for. Ewan and Hayden performing together was my favorite. Anytime they shared a scene. I'm with them there. I, yeah. I, if you really break it down, especially episode five and six, Five because it's full on Hayden, but yeah, that that is the gift of Kenobi is is seeing those two on screen together as those characters and actually performing well. Yeah, I being agree. given good direction and not coming off as as everyone called Hayden's performance, you know, whiny, snotty, nasally bad. Uh, we we got redemption there for him big time. And then, you know, the cherry on top was his delivery of the, you know, you, you didn't kill Anakin, I did, all that stuff. And that, that has cemented Hayden as being redeemed. So yeah. we agree with you, Rippick. We agree. Uh, yeah, all right, on. Nick. Next up. Take the uh, next here. Next up is Gojira Dino King underscore E750. He says, I love seeing Darth Vader and Obi-Wan on the final episode i don't really have a least favorite part because i loved all of it look at that holy some, shit i wasn't expecting something like that some i figured this would be nothing but but like flamethrower <laughs> comment section there yeah. was some positivity all right. there was some positivity yeah okay. next up justin underscore spitta says maybe a pretty cold take here but my favorite part was the final fight between vader and obi-wan <laughs> <laughs> what a smart ass a cold take cold Come take on. my least favorite <laughs> Was Reva <laughs> my my least favorite was Reva living living harboring some of the most private information in the galaxy that literally nobody is supposed to know. A lot on of the contrary, are hung up on this stuff, I know really. On the contrary, her fight sequence with Vader was epic, and seeing Vader in a dual saber stance was epic. Uh, I mean, I can kind of see like if you're under the assumption that we never see any of Reva again, and that like the last time that we'll see her is the end of Kenobi. I mean, like I kind of understand, but like I'm functioning under the idea that like, we're definitely going to see this character again. So yeah, I, it just, and, and Justin's not the only one there. I, I'd say there's a large faction of fans that were bent over the fact that someone else knew Vader's identity. And I guess I'm not quite so sure why that's but such here's a the big thing, deal. Dude, like, like Bale knows Vader's identity. Yoda knows right. Vader's identity. Bale's well, wife knows like, Vader's there's, identity. There's, there's only this little group that's apparently allowed to know. I'm just like, I, yeah. I mean, realistically, I, don't know. I, I guess I, I don't see how that's a huge continuity issue, yeah. really. I mean, yeah, unless like, they figure out a way to like, I, I mean, I guess we do learn ultimately in the sequels, you can suck people's thoughts out of their head. But, you know, unless that would happen, I mean, do you really think she's going to go blabbing around like, hey, 
for 10 bucks, I'll tell you the galaxy's biggest secret. 10 credits right here. I'll <laughs> let you know something you never thought possible. Yeah. I don't, it just, it's weird to me, but I, I, I guess I kind of get it, but I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. No, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, All right, one six, re- repri- one six is replying live. Favorite was episode one, least favorite, favorite episode, episode four. So he's just going full on episodes. And Evan's acting was great. Who's Evan must be one of the extras that, that was in that's there. That's Ewan's, yeah. that's Ewan's unknown you, brother. Ewan's Evan. step, uh, that's his, his stu- uh, yeah, stunt that's, that's double. double. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Evan, go. Evan McGregory is, is, his, yeah. is the stunt double to Ewan and, McGregor. And little Leia. I will say that little Leia was untouchable. <laughs> little Leia was the best. Fucking the best. It, I, so much so I follow Vivian on, on IG now on and IG, just appreciate yeah, her little, she she throws up some story posts here and there yeah, that are I know that her cute, mom so. and dad run the account. I think is it says I looked well, it up I, and it says I, like I would hope about so. Us. I mean she's she's fucking ten years yeah, old. She, so please, yeah. I hope an adult is in charge of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. All right. Next up, Max Maldini. He oh, says, Max, giving us a giving us dissertation. An opus here. Yeah. He says I enjoyed witnessing Ben's journey in this series. He how he was isolated, living in fear, and his acceptance of defeat. That 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 was my favorite part yeah. right there. Opening, yeah. It took a tragic event, a push from a former friend, and a kick in the butt by little Princess Leia to get him back in the game. The path in which he met those people that started to fight back, as well as his interaction with Leia, gave him hope and reawoke his true spirit. Look at this guy. We... He needs to take over the show for us, right? Him, so and, many- him and Lima for photos together. The way they they're, they're so eloquent with their <laughs> comments, they should they, they should, should just take over the Star Wars spin, time spin show. Off, yeah, spinoff show. It, uh, like and then he like says, me last week trying to say anti. I still antithesis. can't say it. Anti- yeah. <laughs> you can't say that word. You just can't I'm say like anti, anti 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 uh, that, That's like where where I'm yeah. going. I want to go. Yeah, antithesis. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Then he said, so Max Maldini goes on, he says, in his final encounter of the series with Darth Vader, he realized his brother Anakin was truly gone and was able to let him go, which helped to release him of some Mm -hmm. guilt, of some of the guilt that he felt for losing him, loosing him to the dark side when Anakin (laughs) accepted his choice to become who he was. At the end, he knew that there is still hope. And he is becomes wiser. We see the connection from Republic era Obi-Wan with the character portrayed by Alec Guinness in A New Hope. So overall, very eloquent. A couple stumbles was, towards the it end. Was, it was beautiful. It really was. It, it, was, it was great. Like, I, I feel like Max is a, a therapist of some sort in real life. But I, my favorite part is of this show, period is listening to Nick fumble through people's bad written English. I absolutely love it. <laughs> And he, <laughs> I can't take it. Uh, and he is becomes why. I mean, sometimes it happens. <laughs> we're typing on our phones on Instagram. We're, yeah, we're not. Hey, Max, we're not making fun. It's just the way it sounds. Is I, I love it. He it's is like <laughs> how it is, man. This sadly, this is how my students email me, and I'm I, I teach college students. Like this yeah. is what I get. And <laughs> it do be di- like that sometimes. It do be like that. Like, like that could have been the tagline for the movie, you know, or the yeah. series like Obi-Wan. He is become, <laughs> he is becomes wise. <laughs> okay. I got to stop. We go. There we go. All right. I'm not even on drugs anymore. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a simpleton. I, it's the simple things in life, but 
listen to Nick read stuff like that is just a joy of mine. <laughs> okay, all, all right. right. I'll last myself. Let's move on. <laughs> last one. Tones one one three eight. He's in the chat. He's a big fan. <laughs> we love getting the thoughts Ooh. of Tones. He says, "All right, this was always going to be the series that Disney slash LFL needed to get right, and they did absolutely perfect, in my opinion." Some of the writing was phenomenal and portrayed exceptionally well by the actors. Both Ewan and Hayden, H-E-Y-D-E-N, <laughs> were incredible. Hey, yeah, were incredible in this show. Vivian Lyra Blair as the young, sassy Leia easily made the entire show for me and was easily the standout actor. But it was Ewan's performance that totally stole the entire show. There was far, far too many standout moments to name one. So for me, it's the entire show itself. All right. Good job, Tones. Tones outside the whole the the hey den, you you did pretty well there. You did pretty damn good. Um, so that's it. That's the end of the question of the week for this week. Is is becomes wiser. Is becomes wiser from that segment. We all did. Um my god. I could just, like Obi Wan goes to to Luke in A New Hope. He's like, "I is becomes wiser for you." <laughs> it's like, it's like, wait, take that you, again. <laughs> you will is become a great Jedi. <laughs> uh, please, we're not making fun of anyone. It's just funny to to speak that way. It's just, True. It's, True. All right. Well, thank you. That that was great. I needed that. Props Power is right. I've, I haven't had a laugh like that in a minute, man. That's had good had for a, the soul. Good Thank you. Belly, <laughs> Thank you, Max. You, belly laugh in a yeah, while. Yeah, Max wins the uh, question of the week comment this week, 100%. <laughs> for sure. All right. Let's All right. change gears. Time for the top five. Let me get the browser window back up because I tend to forget that. And people are like, hey, we'd love to see the stuff you're talking about because we're on the live stream. We're not on the podcast version. So there we go. We've, we've switched it up. True, true, true. All right, my friend. So the top five uh, these days, since hashtags are busted, I I, I still would like everyone to use hashtag Star Wars time show, but you you, you have to tag at this point in time if you want us to see it. Now, who cares if we see it or not? It's not like we're the end-all be-all on IG, but we do like to kind of feature and help Star Wars artists out, get, you know, share their work, maybe introduce new ones. But these days with Instagram, it just it just seems you can't rely on tags anymore to actually display a lot of shots. So if you're someone that's been out there feeling a little salty towards the Star Wars time show, like, why don't they even like my stuff anymore? That's why. We're it's not, not a purposeful thing we're just not seeing it unless you physically tag the account which sucks for me because that just means more dms to clear out for no reason but clearly meta is not going to change that fucking feature which blows my mind but that is meta for you it's a it's one of the worst companies on the planet and it will lead to the destruction of humanity but we still like to have fun on their platforms so this week's featured artists cover 627 to July 4th. I share them throughout the week. Nick sits down on a Monday night with his hot toddy and selects his five favorite, which are the ones we are about to discuss. All right, Nick, who do we got first? Who do we got first? First up is at Uzuri Art, U-Z-U-R-I Art on Instagram. And it is an absolutely incredible uh, portrayal in vector art of Asajj Ventress. Killer. Like to me, one of the most underappreciated characters in Star Wars. Um, such an incredible True. arc through the Clone Wars, 
Um, it is an absolute travesty that 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 in she was killed in a book and not on screen. Um, but th- this portrayal by Uzuri Art is amazing. So you get to see her in her full garb from Clone Wars, both lightsabers ignited cross across her chest, um, and just the a signature look from Ventress. Yeah, man. I've loved this character since um, Gennady's Clone Wars. Um, she's been around since that Clone Wars. I mean, she has been a staple of the Clone War era from the get-go, even before we got the, the 3D version that George and Filoni worked on. And, and Nick's not kidding. Like, if you're, if you're listening here, you need to go look at this piece, this Asajj piece from Uzu Riart because it is a banger. In fact, Uzu puts out nothing but bangers. And, and yeah. this is an artist I, I know we discovered years ago, um, but, you know, they, they, don't, they don't care about us, nor should they. Uh, so th- we don't get tagged. I just have to rely on every once in a while. I get to see it in an algorithm, or I think I found this one through Super Scoundrel's story. So thank you for that, uh, reminding me that Uzu is still out there making some banger killer pieces. In fact, look at this one they put out today. I'm going to switch screens real quick. If you're on the live stream, it's kind of a um, compilation of all of the Kenobis doing his Suresu two-finger point. Yep. Um, in, in, the, in this style, it's just fantastic. You get yep. Beautiful old stuff. man Kenobi doing the point like he did the mall. We now get... 10 years post Rots Kenobi that we just saw, you get Rots Kenobi and the general. It's just fucking amazing. Amazing, so. amazing stuff, truly. Yeah. From Uzu, Uzu, Uzu kick, kicks ass. At Uzuri Art, just killing it. All right. Um, next up, we have at Kiko.collects on Instagram. Man, you're and loving Kiko and his Swator statues, aren't dude, you? I, I am. Like I'm They're uh, fantastic, man. <laughs> they they're just so clean looking and and Kiko does such a great job of just capturing that essence. And and one thing I was gonna say is what we see here from Kiko is the shot of Darth Malik, and we almost never see Darth Malik shots, whether it be yeah. customs or anything. We we he's never seen. And this statue is such a great representation of the character so detailed um and and kiko did a fantastic job of like just putting it in a you know a a slight background but having the 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 figure as the foreground the main like bulk of the image and it's just it's a great representation of darth malik i i mean honestly dude when i when i grow up and get back to toy photography i want to start doing portraits like kiko i i think I just, I like the style. Like you said, Kiko always incorporates great lighting. It's never just, you know, white light and that's it. it, it it's always lighting that complements the subject as it is doing in this Malik shot. And again, just, just some sort of background, maybe, you know, some random shit on the computer, but thanks to Aperture and, and Focus and all that, you blur it out, but it actually, you know, it, it enhances the shot overall. So uh, I have... To the left of me, thanks to my leg situation, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hot toy figures, all recently received that need a shoot. So when I can stand again and actually play stuff, I think this is how I'm taking care of that. Just a nice, beautiful portrait. And, and Kiko makes it look easy. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm doing this because it's going to be simple. It's not. Because to do these pulled-in shots, almost macro style, it still requires some know-how, 
excellent lighting. And like Nick pointed out, getting in a, an interesting enough background to where it doesn't look plain, but yeah. it's not kind of dominating the subject. Yeah. So, so. perfect, perfect mix. And that, perfect that's my goal setup. to start doing some Kiko style portraits once I can stand on two legs again. There you go. You'll get there. You'll get there. Maybe. All right. Maybe. Good Even stuff. without a broken leg, I wasn't doing much photography, <laughs> so true. who knows, dude. That is very true. Uh, oh, I at- love this. I'm glad you picked this set. <laughs> All right. Next up is at L-Dawb, L-D-A-W-B on Instagram, and it's a series of shots that, uh, Matt, you said done in Kingdom Hearts style of Star Wars characters, so what you see first up, I mean- correct. Is is you would know more about kingdom than me. I don't know shit, but I know they have like key swords, right? Yeah, like key key blades, key swords. These are very like kind of similar, right? Like they're pretty. Yeah. Like his art style does. His art style is very anime. L Dob is like a very anime, um, like style of art that he does here in his character design. If you look at his page, even outside of Star Wars, like he did this fucking sick. Uh, like anime Kingdom Hearts style goofy, um, you know. So uh, this one here is just an absolutely ma- like an absolute masterclass in this style. You see Luke Skywalker got yep. triple bladed lightsabers with the the Rebellion logo at the end of one, and then the Jedi logo at the end of yep. the other one. You get this sick one of Vader with the Imperial logo on his triple lightsaber with his hand in this fucking awesome like lifted curled fist type of pose. Next up, you got Yoda, triple-bladed lightsaber with the Jedi symbol. Then we see Rey with her lightsaber with the Rebellion symbol on it. And then we got Kylo with the Imperial symbol. And man, I mean, all of these things are just so fucking cool looking, man. They're so cool. It's just, it's actually hard to explain how amazing these look if you're not actually looking at them. Oh yeah. No, you have to look at these and and I'm trying to get my screen back. I hadn't no, took another dump. I, I told Nick, I was like, dude, my system is, you know, I, I run a Mac, so I just leave them running for sometimes a month or more, like never a restart. And that, that's what they do. But I can tell you right now, this motherfucker wants to take a nap because everything <laughs> is slow today. So I just was able to reload the page. Um, but yeah, there's the Luke, like Nick said, the Vader. Dude, my favorite may be the Yoda interpretation. Yoda's pretty like, sick. Like, look how menacing Yoda looks there. Yeah. That, that's like the most emotive you're ever going to see Yoda in anything. He, right. he looks even more in, in motion, you know, full of piss and vinegar than he does did in that hangar in Attack of the Clones or in the Senate room in Revenge of the Sith. And then I, I also really like the Ray. I mean, I think yeah. the Ray looks great. It's funny, like my guys, my Darksiders, they're probably the most similar to their actual look yeah. and don't get as stylized as um, the other. So I'm talking about Kylo and Vader. They, they, they both look the, rad, but yeah. they're not as kind of over the top as the light side yeah. characters here. I will say that that Vader is rippling with muscle under his suit in the, in the, sh- in the image from... Yeah, I mean, come on. I, I would still, if someone's like, hey, I'd tattoo you, I'd tattoo that on you for free, I'd be like, all right. Yeah, fuck, that, I mean, it's cool. a fucking sick Sweet. <laughs> so, at L-D-A-W-D. Yeah, totally. On and actually, L-Dob actually replied to your post. Yeah, so I saw that. Maybe, maybe we'll get them to listen, because sometimes the, the artists, really, I think Super Scoundrel and Savvy have been the only artists that have actually liked us 
talking about their work. All the other ones either just are like, hey, fine, thanks for sharing, but I'm never tagging you again. We hate you. Or I've actually had some tell me like, don't yeah, share. go ahead and put, yeah, go ahead and don't do that again. It's like, all right, like, well, whatever you want. Sounds yeah, good to me. You are good. posting on social media, so you lose all rights anyways. Uh, all right. So next up, LDOP, thank you for this amazing setup here from, uh, from an incredible Kingdom Hearts style artist. Um, next up is a shot from at South P24. I know South P was in the chat earlier. I don't know if he's still here, but we get a scene recreation from the final episode of the Kenobi series where Obi-Wan himself is just destroying his former Padawan his former friend with the rocks and everything. You see the malfunctioning um, control panel on Vader's suit. You see Vader just bending down and trying to guard himself from all these rocks and Kenobi standing in the background, just in that pose, that open arm pose that he had just flinging. Let's be real. It's, it's the Jesus pose. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) the only thing he's missing is, is a, is a crucifix behind them. I mean, it's it's money i just you know what i my favorite part of this shot nick is south paul south p 24 gave us a different perspective of this scene because the way we saw it play out we were looking at the rocks hitting vader from obi-wan's point of view here it's like vader had his gopro or a selfie stick behind them and we're seeing it from his point of view like eating the boulders right at his face. And yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, South P is, is one of my favorite. I mean, this dude goes beyond just good photography. I mean, he creates some of the best custom and kit bash figures I've seen. Uh, if my browser will allow me, he goes out and mocks up these customs and makes them look like Mezco 112 figures, which are high end figures of this Black Series scale. Yeah. And it's it's just it, they're they're just a gem. Like yeah, here's his his Mezco Kenobi set. I mean just just look mm-hmm. what this this guy produces here. Even uses like their their marketing to show the accessories and whatnot. So South P is a jack of all trades when it comes to Star Wars toy photography. Great at taking shots, great at making customs, which amounts in a kick-ass page for Star Wars fans. So um always been a fan of south p this shot is is no different i mean he puts out bangers every week so i'm glad you know nick uh, got him into the top five this week to to honor some of his kenobi work because there's been a lot of it in terms of custom kenobis and some setups scene recreations so at south p24 on instagram we speak your name beautiful work beautiful work and final one for this week it was actually pretty hard choosing the final one, because I had another one in there, too, from like this. Uh, it was like another kind of art creation from Gia. Um, But this one here is from Steve L. Jar on Instagram. And he made a fantastic mock up of a poster for the Kenobi series. And it's in this typical like the typical Star Wars poster style. But it's just yeah, so I think well. That Drew, what's his name? Drew Stanzen or Sturzen. It's that style. I know I'm fucking up the guy's last name, but the, the same style as the prequel posters, the sequel posters. Yeah. That stuff. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the, the shot, I mean, this, this composition itself is beautiful. You see 
the two big figures as you usually have on a Star Wars poster. You have your big figures, Kenobi, and then Scarred Mask Vader. And then on the light side of it, you see Vivian, you see Qui-Gon, or you see, you know, Princess Leia Qui-Gon, you see young Kenobi, then you see young Anakin on the dark side of Reva, and then the Grand Inquisitor himself, all split through by the underside of a Star Destroyer. Um, honestly, just an incredible poster. Like this to me looks like something that Lucasfilm would have put out themselves. So yeah, it's it's uh, and it's it's all digitally created. Like it, I know if we go to Steve's page, you can scroll over and look. I mean, he just takes image assets from the internet and stitches them together, and then does that Photoshop magic to make it look like it it was meant to be together. Yeah, that I mean, no, none fits. of these shots were together. He he, these are all single elements or layers, if you will. See, I'm learning Photoshop layers, layers that he pulled from who knows sources, probably PNG there, PNG there, and kind of lays them all out and then colorizes them. And, and here we go. Nick is right. I mean, it looks like an official poster. And I knew the, the, the Gilly one you're talking about, that was pretty fucking fantastic. As yeah. Well. That, I mean, that one was top notch as well, but, uh, Steve L jar on Instagram. That's the end of the top five for this week. That's Thank right. you for well, everybody. We did get r- real quick as Nick shuts us down here. We did get an update. South Peace said the, the inspiration for this shot we just talked about was to, he felt bad for Vader Ooh. and he wanted to show it from his angle. So Wow. Felt bad for him. I mean, he was getting pelted by very heavy rocks. Oh yeah. He was, so. <laughs> he was, he was not faring well. He, no, he, he finally awoke the beast that is Ben or Jedi master Ben Kenobi. All right, man. As Nick said, it's time to put episode two two zero to bed. And thank goodness, because things are starting to get a little sore and prickly down south and not in a good way. You know what I mean? I'm talking about my busted ass leg. But as we do about this time, we celebrate the Star Wars time show. And we like to leave everyone with a reminder to keep talking about it. Keep convincing others out there that they should spend a few hours a week with the Star Wars Time Show, either through the live stream Tuesdays, 2.30p on YouTube, East that is, or Wednesdays when the podcast version releases, which is the same show you get on Tuesdays, you just don't have to look at our stupid faces. So it's it's a win-win, if you know what I mean. So the best way to do this is one location on the internet, or as some political candidates in Wyoming refer to it, the internets. Apparently, there's multiple internets now. All right? There's not just a internet. There is multiple internets. But we are on the main internet, and you can find us at StarWarsTime.net. I know it's a .net. Sounds kind of cheap, but it's not. It's one of the best places you can go on the internet to get real deal Star Wars talk. Love it or hate it you will find some form of enjoyment in the Star Wars Time Show. So keep the stumping. Get the word out there. StarWarsTime.net. We have all our subs here. I, I think I added some new ones, Nick, so I might as well show people. Got us on Amazon Music now, Podchaser. So if you've been clamoring for the show on those networks, we are now there. And quite frankly, if we're not on a network you use, you're using something that is so far off the grid, you, you just need to get with the program and go with one of the big boys, all right? Spotify, Apple, Google, TuneIn. 
hell, if we're in TuneIn or Stitcher, you might even be able to find us on Sirius at this point. You never know. We're out there, StarWarsTime.net. And why? Well, there's always time for Star Wars time. So just keep reminding those that don't know or are not in the know with the Star Wars Time show. Okay? We love you. Just a reminder out there, our form of payment comes in shares in love on our posts. So if you see some content out, out the, on our Instagram or the Twitter or on YouTube, leave a comment, share it if you would, like it. Just tell the algorithm in our AI overlords that the Star Wars time show is something meatbags like. That is our challenge. We got to tell our controllers, the AI that's already out there running the, the, the world, that meatbags, as in humans, like the Star Wars time show. And in the end, you get this added bonus. If you do listen to the Star Wars time show, the Force will be with you. Always. Woo-wee.